Welcome to That One Show with Brian Combs, and today, my daughter Natalie is coming on once again, and today we will be ranking and discussing our 10 favorite Nirvana songs. I'm excited about this episode. How are you today, Natalie? I'm doing good. So let's, before we get into our specific songs, talk about Nirvana in general. Uh, You just turned 15 about a month ago. And you've been listening to Nirvana for probably about three years now. Uh, You have three of their albums on vinyl that you listen to regularly. You listen to them regularly through iTunes. So you pretty much discovered them and are a fan of them at the uh, the same age I was when I discovered and became a fan of them, which was, you know, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Correct? Yes. Now, let's talk about how you discover music i listen to music a lot but i don't ever force you to become a fan of something that just because i'm a fan of it would you agree with that yeah and and one of the greatest joys of my parenthood is watching you discover music that you love especially if i hear a song that i love or loved when i was your age coming from your room be it pearl jam nirvana metallica and I've actually discovered music that's not necessarily new, but new to me through you, specifically the Smiths, who I never really listened to, who is one of, if not your one of your favorite bands. And I, uh, they are really good. And without you listening to them before first, I don't know if I would have ever took the time and, and to, to listen to them. So I love that you love music, and I love watching you discover music. So... Normally, we don't include live albums on the eligibility part when we are picking a top 10 list for a specific artist, but we are making the exception for this episode. The reason being, Nirvana had three proper albums and one compilation called Intesticide, which is also eligible, by the way. But the live in New York MTV Unplugged album is so important to their story as well as music as a whole especially in the 90s and so well done that we have made any and all songs on it eligible for this list that's not being said that we will necessarily include any but they are eligible so without further ado i always let my guests start out first i want you to give me your 10th favorite nirvana song and we'll talk a little bit about it i have it as come as you are Come as you are off of what album? Never mind. That is correct. So I don't have this one ranked at all on my personal list. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, it's your number 10. What do you like about this song? I just like how like anybody who knows about Nirvana could just hear the opening of this song and know what it was immediately. Yeah, the opening riff, which is one of the most recognizable uh, in music history and but in all honesty, probably they're only most they're only their second most recognizable riff off of this album, which is obviously a song we may or may not get to here in a little <laughs> bit. But yeah, I can't come as you are barely missed out on my list. I think I had it about twelfth. Uh and the reason I just left it off, I didn't want my list to be so heavy on, you know, just nevermind songs. I didn't want five songs from Nevermind taking up basically half of my list when there's a lot of other good songs. Off of uh, their other albums, specifically their debut, Bleach, which I don't think gets enough credit, but we'll get to that a little later. Anything else you want to say about Come As You Are uh, before we play it for our people? Nope. All right, here he is. 
I'll let Natalie introduce it. This is her 10th favorite Nirvana song. What is it, Natalie? Come as you are. Okay, so for, for my 10th uh, favorite Nirvana song, it is a song called You Know You're Right, which actually is not off of any of their studio albums, nor is it off of Unplugged, because it was the last song that they ever recorded before Kurt Cobain died. And it was properly released in 2002, October of 2002, and ended up hitting number one on the Billboard Rock charts almost 20 years after the band was no longer in existence. And I first heard about this song in a book called Heavier Than Heaven, which was a biography of Kurt Cobain that I read in 2001, which I highly recommend if you've not read it, by the way, one of the best rock biographies in history. And uh, I was hyped to hear this song. And wouldn't you know it, somebody stole it and leaked it out to Napster in September of 2002, forcing Nirvana's hand to actually release it to the radio as a proper single and it instantly hit number one. And it was later finally released on a compilation of their greatest hits a few years later. Natalie, are you familiar with this song? You know you're right. Yeah, I've heard it before. Did it make your list? No, but it um, it got close, but right. it didn't. All right, so we'll go ahead and discuss it in depth. Uh, I think this song would have very much been at home on In Utero. I'm wondering if it would have been included on their fourth album that never got finished. And if so, was that the style and direction in which they were going? Uh, the author of that book I just mentioned, Heavier in Heaven, he got to hear it before most everybody else did when he was researching the book, and he hyped it up at such a level that I had unfair high expectations when I finally did hear it about a year later. And it didn't quite live up to those, but that's probably my fault. It is a great song. It's my 10th favorite Nirvana song. And I'll go ahead and play it for everybody right now. Here is You Know You're Right. I will never bother you. I will never promise to. I will never follow you. I won't bother you Now I stay away again I will crawl away from God I won't move away from here You won't be 
vão aos durante this Nós no eu we come to this Things I've never been so swell Natalie, what do you have at number nine? What is your ninth favorite Nirvana song of all time? Lounge Act. Lounge Act. I do not have this one on my list. Why do you have it on yours? It has one of my favorite bass lines in like the opening. So you, uh, for our listeners that don't know, uh, you play the bass a little bit, right? You've been you've been learning for like the last six months. Yeah. And uh, what what are some of the songs that you have learned to play on the bass? Uh, feel good, ink, jealous, songs like that. I don't, I can't really remember all of them. Seven Nation Army. You, you learned a Weezer song. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Chris Novalesic is the bassist for Nirvana. What? What? Uh, and, and you specifically mentioned his bass line on this song. Uh, what do you think about him overall as a bassist? I think he's a pretty good bassist. I like the way like. His bass hangs so low, and he takes, like, little hops whenever he plays. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has a, a signature move there on stage when he's playing. I don't have this lo- uh, particular song on here. I'm glad you included it, because it's not one of the more well-known songs in their catalog. It is off of their second album, Nevermind. Uh, and I would say if you ask people to name, you know, start naming songs off that album, the you know, the casual listener, this is not necessarily one that they would uh, recognize or our name, so I'm glad we're going to give a give this one a spin for our people. They go ahead and introduce it, and we'll play it for our listeners. This is your ninth favorite Nirvana song, and it is Lounge Act. another song off of Nevermind, my first song off of that album, uh, and it is called Something in the Way. Uh, do you have this one right? 
No, it was close once again, but it did not make my yeah. list. So this is the, technically the last song listed on the back of the album as the closing track, but there is a hidden track like 10 minutes after this song is <laughs> called Endless Nameless. But for all intents and purposes, this is, this is the closing track on Nevermind. And it was never released as a single, and it never charted until last year, almost 30 years after Nevermind came out. Do you know why it charted last year? The Batman movie. Absolutely, the Batman movie. And for folks who like Batman, a few weeks ago, me and my buddy Jordan Fugit did a whole episode on Batman if you want to go to the archives and listen to that. But that's beside the point. And when I first saw the Batman trailer that used this song, it hit all the marks for old Brian Combs. Grunge, Nirvana, Batman beating the snot out of some bad guys dressed in clown masks. And needless to say, I bought my ticket, and I was there on opening day. Oh, and I love this song. Uh, you know, an album needs a great closing track. And generally, if the majority of the album is loud and up-tempo, you need to, dial, in my opinion, you need to dial it back a little bit for the closing track. And if the, if the album is more mellow, I think that you need to actually up it a little bit. And then never minds case this is probably the most mellow song on the entire album would you agree to that natalie yes so to me it's perfect for a closing track you have anything you want to add about it if not we'll play it nope all right that was short and sweet here he is a song that charted last year made it to number 60 on the billboard rock and roll charts thanks to the batman the closing track on never mind my ninth favorite nirvana song of all time Something in the way. Let's live enough of grass and the drippings from the ceiling. It's okay to eat fish because they don't have any feelings. Something in the way. Another one that I do not have on my list. Another one off of Nevermind, correct? <laughs> yes. So I'm sensing a theme here, maybe. What do you like about the song Breed? And this was one that I put the question out on social media, and this one surprised me of how many people said it should be number one. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have it on my list, so they can hate on me, but they can't hate on you because you've got it at number eight. What do you like about this song? I feel like it's one of their most, like, up, not like upbeat tempos, but like heavier tempos mm -hmm. on Nevermind. Yep. And and Kurt, like he does in a lot of songs, absolutely shreds his vocal cords 
on this particular song. I don't see how he even had a voice left, especially <laughs> if you go back and listen to any live concerts that he did. Uh, it was just amazing. But yeah, I like this song. It wasn't even it wasn't on my list, but I got I got absolutely nothing against it. It's a good song. Uh, you know, uh, I'll be curious to see how many we end up total between my list and your list off of Nevermind, because obviously it's their most popular album. There's been whole books written about it, countless articles, po a whole podcast devoted to just that album and its importance and how great it is. Uh, but I'll hold my thoughts on on Nevermind as a whole, but I'll spoil them a little bit. It's not my favorite Nirvana it's album. It's not mine either. <laughs> so maybe you're stacking all the Nevermind tracks on the bottom end of your list, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you have anything you want to add about Breed? Nope. All right. We'll introduce it. We'll play it. This is Breed. It is the first song off of In Utero that I am selecting, but not the last. It is called Francis Farmer Will Have Her Revenge on Seattle. Probably the longest title in the entire Nirvana catalog. Mm -hmm. That is a mouthful. Uh, do you have this one ranked? No, but it was 11th. Oh, so it barely missed your list. So it is track five on In Utero, Nirvana's third studio album. And for, uh, the follow-up to Nevermind. And it is actually about a real person, Frances Farmer, who was an actress from the Seattle area that was institutionalized because she was really, really artsy. And she may or may not have had schizophrenia, but they claim she did, and they institutionalized her, and they abused her and raped her and things of that sort of thing. And Kurt Cobain uh, empathized with her and her story. So he wrote this song about her. Did you know that? No, I did not. I, I just educated you a little bit today. Your old dad knows a few things. He's forgotten a lot more than he remembers, but he still knows a little. Uh, so you barely had, this barely missed your list. Uh, what What do you like about it? It's obviously number 11, you just said. What do you like about this song? I just like like the tempo and beat of it. Yes. Like I always knew there was like a good meaning behind it, but I never knew it was that. All right. So here is my eighth favorite nirvana song the first one i chose off of in utero and this is francis farmer will have her revenge on seattle 
Yes, I'm relieving. Now that you're leaving, soon as you I'm relaxing, hear that you're resting, never guessing. It's how soothing, know that you soothe me, so I decide. All right, Natalie, what do you have at lucky number seven? Your seventh favorite Nirvana song. All apologies. All apologies. I'll tell you what. Can we hold our discussion on that one until later in the episode if you don't mind? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, I promise you we'll talk about all apologies. And if you all are long-time listeners to the show, you know the only time I'll hold discussing a song that somebody has in their top ten list is if I, the other person has it at number one. So, spoiler alert, all apologies is going to be my number one. So, we'll discuss it at that time. We'll go ahead and do my number seven now, unless it's your number one, and we'll have to hold them both. <laughs> my seventh favorite Nirvana song is off of the compilation of rarities and B-sides that the record company rushed out after Nevermind success called Intesticide. And forgive me, I've never been able to pronounce that word properly. <laughs> it is called Sliver. Do you have it ranked, Nat? No, I do not. All right. So it's not your number one. So we can discuss at this time Sliver, which is probably the most straightforward uh, lyrically wise at least song that Kurt Cobain ever wrote a lot of his stuff is kind of open to interpretation and vague lyrically and a lot of times he doesn't even sing the lyrics real clear so you don't even know what the, what he was singing <laughs> little um, but this is actually a simple quick song about a story about a young boy who went to stay with his grandparents for the day who got mad through a fit didn't want to go take a nap, but he ended up getting ice cream anyway. And that's all there was to it, but I love it. It's really, uh, I mean, simple, and it's upbeat, and with the exception of maybe a, a couple other songs that we may or may not talk about, uh, not really brooding and, you know, all uh, teen angsty like a lot of their other catalog is. And uh, it's one that I've returned to throughout the years, especially when I, uh, I'm working out from time to time. Uh, you don't have this rank, but do you have any thoughts on Sliver? What you already said, that it's one of more, they're more like happy, upbeat songs, if anything. Yeah, and I think I've caught you working out to this song a few times, right? Yes. All right, so here is my seventh favorite Nirvana song of all time, a simple song off in Testicide called Sliver. 
Mom and Dad went to a show They dropped me off at Grandpa Joe's I kicked and screamed, so please Number six, our, our last song on the bottom half of your list, your sixth favorite Nirvana song. Where did you sleep last night? Awesome. So this is the first one off of Unplugged. The first time a live song or album has been eligible or ranked in a top ten episode on that one show. And I had this at number four, just a couple spots higher, but we'll go ahead and talk about it right now. What do you want to say about where did you sleep last night? I think anybody who's listened to this, just whenever they hear, like, close to the end, that note he hits, it, it's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, so this was the final song uh, on their Unplugged album and live performance uh, that was recorded back in 1993 and released uh, a little later that year in November. And, uh, you know, our, just a few months later, Cobain, you know, obviously committed suicide uh allegedly at least <laughs> <laughs> i mean but we, we won't get into that today because we're not going to get into conspiracies <laughs> on this particular episode but i remember let's talk but let's talk about his death for a minute obviously you know you discovered you know nirvana and kurt cobain long after you know he had died and the band was no longer together and he passed away in uh in 94 you know, pre-internet, and I was a Nirvana fan at the time. I, I preferred Pearl Jam, but I did like Nirvana a lot and listened to him a lot, and obviously even at that age understood what he and them meant to my generation and the generation that's a little, a little older than I, as well as music in general. And I found out he died by going and getting the Lexton hurled leader out of the mailbox like I always did for my dad on the mornings, and that was the headline. And I remember I had trouble walking back to the house. That's how I, you know, pre-internet, I learned the day after they found his body in the newspaper that he had passed away. And I remember for the few days preceding his death, MTV, back when they still actually played music, ran the entirety of their unplugged performance on repeat for 24 hours and like you said it's after the fact and given that what we know now that he would commit suicide just a couple a few months after they recorded this it's almost like 
that he's releasing part of his soul on that very last note he hits on this song. Yeah, it's like almost like he knew what was going to happen. And, you know, this is a cover. And I generally don't put covers in my top ten list. I don't have a rule that you can't, but I generally don't. But I couldn't help myself on this one. It made it all the way up to number four. I actually had it a little higher than you. Uh, it's a traditional song. No one quite knows for sure who wrote the original version, but Lead Belly, the old blues fella, back in the 40s and 50s, was one of the first people to make it famous. But I don't think there's a more famous version than the Nirvana version from Unplugged. Do you? No. Nope. you have anything you want to add to this one? Not really, no. <laughs> Not really. So this is Natalie's sixth favorite and my fourth favorite, and the first one, or the second one that we've both had on our list. From MTV Unplugged, Nirvana, covering Where Did You Sleep Last Night? What are you... favorite song and the last song we'll play for the folks and discuss before we take a quick break uh is off of nevermind it was the third single that they released from that album it peaked at number 16 and it is a song called lithium do you have lithium right natalie no i do not once again it was very close yeah, now but... i've heard you listen to this song quite a bit so that kind of surprises me just a little bit that it didn't quite crack your top 10 but that's okay uh now Cobain never really explained any of his songs uh, very often, especially to the media or in public. Like we mentioned earlier, they're vague, and I think that was intentional, so it would be left to the interpretation of the listener. But he did explain in a 1990 interview that this is actually a fictional story about a man who turns to religion as her last resort after his girlfriend overdosed and died, and that he borrowed a little bit of the theme for this song from the old Marx quote that religion is the opiate to the masses, meaning religion is a drug to anyone that chooses to follow a given religion. That's deep. Deep. I always just assume it was about like bipolar disorder was what I interpreted it as. Well, it very well, I mean, could be, uh, you know, the, the subject of this video or this song that, that overdosed. Very well, might have struggled with mental health issues. Uh, I like this song a lot. It's another one that a few people said should be number one when I put that question out there. Uh, 
It didn't quite make your list, but do you have anything you want to add about lithium? I really like the guitar opening to it. Yes. Uh, I don't... Let's talk about Kurt Cobain as a guitarist. I... I don't. I think he's a little underrated as a guitarist. Not, when you know when when the great guitarists are, are ranked or discussed or talked about and whatnot, uh, he's very rarely brought up. Yeah, like he may not be able to play like the hardest things, but he's really good at writing riffs, riffs and melodies. Yes, I mean, like we've mentioned a couple times, and that we've surely again some of the most recognizable riffs and specifically openings to songs in history was written by Kurt Cobain. So I think he's a little underrated as a guitarist, but that's another subject for another day. Here he is, my number six favorite Nirvana song of all time off of Nevermind, a little song called Lithium. I'm so happy Cause today from my friends You're in my head I'm so ugly that's okay, cause so are you Broke on his Sunday morning Is every day for all I care And I'm not scared That my candles In our days Cause I found God All right, we're halfway through our list. Myself and Natalie Combs are counting down the 10 best Nirvana songs of all time, according to us. Before we get into the top five, we will take a very brief break and hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, I want to tell you all real quick about the brand new presenting sponsor of that one show the goblin trading company they make all kinds of cool stuff shirts t-shirts hoodies coffee mugs uh, they do a lot of dnd type merchandise but they also have the, a bunch of exclusive that one show merch uh, they've got me as a goblin they've got me as a superhero a funko pop all kinds of stuff you can get those on hoodies coffee mugs t-shirts whatever you'd like Check them out at etsy.com backslash shop backslash goblin trading. I'll also have a link straight to their store in the show notes of this and every episode of season three. Once again, for your official one show merchandise and much, much more, check out my friends at the Goblin Trading Company. Natalie, kick us off with the top half of our list. What is your fifth favorite Nirvana song of all time? About a girl. Alrighty, the first one off of their debut album, Bleach. One that I have at number three. I think this is the third song that we've both had, but we'll go ahead and discuss it now. What do you like about this song about a girl? 
Um, it's one of the only songs, it is the only song I can play on the guitar. I'm not a guitarist, I'm a bassist at heart, but it's just a really fun beat to play. How'd you learn to play this song on guitar? I just taught myself. You pretty much taught yourself the bass too, right? Yes. Just watching YouTube videos and whatnot. Uh, this song is actually written about a real person. A former girlfriend of Kurt Cobain by the tra- name of Tracy Merritt. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And that didn't sit too well with old Courtney Love years later when she found that out. Well, but- she can get over it. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about Bleach because it really aggravates me that the casual music people, and I'm talking about numerous people, don't even realize this album exists. They it, think It's de- a very underrated album. They think their debut is never mind, and it's not. Mm-mm. But here is the cool thing. This is one of the first albums ever put out of, from a little independent record label in Seattle, Washington, called Sub Pop. And it literally still turns their profits today mm-hmm. and allows them to put out cool and under the radar artists such as the Shins and others. Uh, and this literally is the album that has kept them afloat for over 30 years now. I'm speaking of Bleach. And did you know that there was a there's a little nod to the name of the album Bleach in a song on Nevermind? A line called Soaked in Bleach mm-hmm. off of the song. Come as you are that we talked about earlier. Uh, do you have anything to add about about a girl? I just I can't decide if I like it on Bleach or Unplugged better because both are very like really good. Yeah, you know, uh, I I kind of prefer the Unplugged version. I do, yeah. Uh, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just because Dave Grohl was on that version and he's not on the version on Bleach because he was not their drummer for that album. Uh, and I'm biased to all things David Grohl, <laughs> even though your mother is very attracted to him and brings that to my attention quite often and has for the last 20 plus years. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. Here he is, Natalie's fifth favorite Nirvana song and my third favorite Nirvana song. The first song that we've discussed from their debut album, Bleach, this is... About a Girl.
number five is heart-shaped box. Do you have that one ranked? No, and I do not know why, but it just totally slipped my mind while I was making my list. But it should have made at least like number 10. All right. So, let's talk a little bit about this song. It is off of In Utero, which is my favorite Nirvana album. And I don't think you've ever named your one this. You, you let slip that it wasn't. Never mind. But what is your favorite album of theirs? Bleach. Their debut. <laughs> oh, that's, I'm surprised. But that's awesome. Now, let me ask you something. You have started, a, you know, I have influenced you in that vinyl is awesome to listen to. And you have started your own vinyl collection. You have bought several records. I've only gifted you one record from my personal collection. And what what album was that? Bleach. That's right. Because I knew how much you loved it. And that's the last thing you get from my collection until, I, until I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. Heart Shaped Box was the lead single off of In Utero. Which, I'll be honest, I don't ever remember... Since I've been alive and following music, an album that was in as, as anticipated as In Utero. Nevermind was such a huge album, musically and culturally, that I don't think any album has had the weight of expectations on it in the history of music. It definitely held up to those it, expectations. And it did. And that's why it's my favorite, to be honest with you. And this was the first taste to anybody me or anyone else heard from that and we were like wow they've they've probably done it they've actually lived up to the expectations that they set for themselves and that the media did now here is a couple facts about this that i want to share and neither on one of them are fun facts so i do apologize in advance but i think that they warrant discussion did you know this was the last song they ever performed live no, I did not. March 1st, 1994, Munich, Germany. It closed on core of their set, and Cobain would die just a few weeks later, and this was the last song ever performed by the band Nirvana as a whole. Now, you're going to have to forgive me for this, but i got to talk about Courtney Love for a minute. And you you mentioned off-air a minute ago when we were taking a quick break that you don't particularly like her. Well, I don't either. And she tried to claim... Now, Kurt Cobain has said that this was written about a bunch of little heart-shaped boxes that she collected and had all over their house. She claims it's about her private area, for lack of a better word. And, and she put that out on Twitter a few years ago when somebody covered it and told them that they didn't have a right to cover it because it was about her hoo-ha, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and that just shows that she's never got beyond being just... Oh, scuzzy, scuzzy, yeah. <laughs> That's a nice. I mean, come way on, Courtney. Really, was that necessary? <laughs> now you said this one slipped your mind. After hearing that fact, you're probably glad it did. <laughs> <laughs> and she will say anything to try and keep herself relevant. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, she, if you heard her interview on WTF with Mark Myron, she claims that she's written a song called "Justice to Kurt" that's so good she can't even release it. Now, come on, Courtney. That ain't true. I don't even believe you wrote it, and B, if you did, it ain't good. <laughs> <laughs> Not if she sings it. But anyway, this ain't this episode ain't about Courtney Love, and I don't think, I'll venture to say, I don't think I'll ever do an episode about Courtney Love on this particular show. Let's get back to Heart Shaped Box. What do you like about it? I just like, like the lyrics of it. I don't know. Yes. And 
Obviously, it hit number one because it was the lead single off In Utero. It was, I think, their fourth number one hit on the Billboard Rock and Roll charts, but not their last. Here he is, my fifth favorite Nirvana song, Heart Shaped Box. She has me like a talk about it i don't have this one ranked kurt actually stated that this was about his favorite song to play and sing so it was his favorite song that he ever wrote huh yeah <laughs> so Supposedly. this was another popular one for the internets the social medias on facebook and twitter and whatnot when i put out the question what should be number one uh overwhelmingly smells like teen spirit was was a song that people said we need to have number one. We ain't even talked about it yet. And if we don't talk about it, they may come after us. But we'll, we'll get to that. I like this song. I, I started off with about 15 songs. And this was on the 15. So it, it barely missed out. It was heavily considered for my list. It just didn't quite make it. I'm glad you have uh, picked it. Why do you like it so much that you've got it in your top four? I really like the lyrics about it. And have you ever seen him play, like them play it in Paris, France, 1994? I, I can't say that I have, but I'm guessing you have since you've brought it up here. <laughs> <laughs> in their performance, his guitar breaks like during the bridge of it. Mm -hmm. And you know how he screams in the song? Yeah. It's one of the best screams you'll ever hear live. Yeah, we mentioned that he was an excellent screamer earlier. So what, give the people that specific date on that, and because I'm sure that's on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. So if they want to go and listen to this and watch this performance, what do they look up? Drain You Live Paris Friends 1994. 1994. So this would have been one of the ones that they would have, uh, the same tour that we mentioned earlier, was, which was our tour, the last tour that they did before he, before he passed away. So go ahead and introduce this one for our listeners, and thank you for coming with that information. You've actually, I, learned, I taught you something a minute ago, and you've actually taught me something today. I'll have to look up this performance when we get done and watch it myself, like I'm sure a lot of our listeners will. What? So introduce your fourth favorite Nirvana song here. This is Drain You. One baby two, says I'm lucky to meet you.
All right, so we've already discussed my fourth favorite, which you had ranked a little higher or lower than I did, which is their cover of Where Did You Sleep Last Night Off Unplugged. But before we go straight into your number three, I want to tell a little story that's Nirvana related about a song that we're not going to discuss today. Uh, and the song is called Rape Me. Now, that when, almost made my list, but I was scared people wouldn't like know the meaning behind it. Yeah, it's not the meaning is not that it's meaning how society and, and the music industry was, you know, just basically not literally raping him and the band, but yeah, you know, he was using that as a metaphor. But that's not the story I want to tell. Back when I was in college in the fall of 2001, uh. I had bought a Scooby-Doo blow-up chair and was on the way to a gas station to blow it up and uh, with one of their air tanks, and a drunk driver crossed three lanes in a median and hit me head-on at 100 mile an hour, and this is the song that was playing on, a on the cassette tape I had in my old Volkswagen Jetta, and I nearly died, and I have never listened to that song since then, 22 years later. I can't listen to it, but that's beside the point. We'll just go straight into your number three, Nat. What do you have for us? Man Who Sold the World. Another Unplugged. Yep, and another cover. And I'm going to play a quick game with you. David Bowie. Ah, <laughs> damn it. You, now, you know what? You just cost yourself $5 because you didn't even let me get it out. I was going to say, I'll give you five bucks if you know who was the original uh, artist of that song. And you you just jumped the gun, so you don't even get $5. <laughs> Uh, but what do you like about this one? This almost made my list, but uh, I didn't want no more than one cover on here, and I already had one. So I'll be honest with you, if, if I hadn't made that rule for myself, it would have been in my top ten. I love this song. I love their version of this song. What What do you got for us on this I one? love the guitar intro to this song. And he actually messed up on one of the wrong frets on it, but mm -hmm. I think that what, what makes it so good. Yep, yep. So, uh, you know, a lot of times – MTV would go in in post-production on an unplugged episode before they released it and fix mistakes by the artist. But, you know, Nirvana demanded that they leave all those, including that one in. Did you know that? Mm hmm And, uh, you know, uh, I can't say this, I, that I necessarily prefer this to the Bowie version because it's different. And I'm not going to say that because Charles Hurl to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> I like the spin they put on it, but uh, but I, God, this is a great cover and a great and a great version of a great song off of a fantastic all time live album. Uh, I got nothing more to add to it. I'm so glad you picked it so we could talk about it. Do you have anything else you want to say about it? Nope. <laughs> All right. Well, go ahead and introduce it, and we'll play it. This is Man Who Sold the World. Oh, 
actually leave it up to the people. You jumped the gun when I was going to offer you five bucks if you knew who wrote The Man Who Sold the World. So, listeners, tweet at me or shoot me a message on Facebook, wherever you follow me on social media. Say, say yay or nay if you think Natalie should get five bucks for knowing yeah, who wrote The Man Who Sold the World. If I get ten people within the first 24 hours that say you should, I'll give you the five dollars. Anyway, we've already talked about my number three about a girl. So we'll move straight on into your number three. What you got for us? You mean my number two? Yeah, my bad. You're going to have to look over me. Blue. Oh, righty. So I do not have this one ranked. Why, why? Now, this is your second favorite. Almost your number one. One that I don't even have ranked. What do you like about it? It's another one off of their debut, Bleach. It is a very, very underrated song. And I don't think a lot of people know about it, but they should definitely go give it a listen. I agree with you. And as a matter of fact, we, we talked about Bleach earlier and how well underrated it is. And uh, you even said that it was your favorite album of all, uh, you know, all everything they've ever released. And uh, very underrated album, very underrated song. Uh, I don't really have anything to add. We'll go ahead and play it. And then we'll come back from my number two, which is one that we have not discussed. But we will very briefly go ahead and introduce your second favorite Nirvana song of all time, Natalie. This is blue. two is one that the overwhelming majority of people said it should be number one and it is of course smells like teen spirit now here's the deal folks i understand that this is by far their most important song and i'll take it a step farther this is probably the most important song of the last 40 years of music period no question asked it changed society as a whole it very much changed the direction of music for the foreseeable future for better or worse, it kicked the door down for so many other great artists to get the exposure that they might otherwise not have gotten. Uh, it is, of course, Smells Like Teen Spirit. The opening track and lead single off of the Smash album, never mind, you may have heard of it. And did, Natalie, before we go further, do you have this one ranked? No, I do not. So it is a good thing I did or we'd have had a lot of people coming after us. But it didn't make number one. Now, my the way I do my list, I do my ten favorite. Not what I think. Yeah. Like, the, you know, not what I think most people would consider or what, you know, would be the most acceptable. This is what my personal feelings are. My top ten are not 
like the overall top 10. Right. It's just my personal. That's exactly right. But this is number two for me. And like I said, I can't understate the importance of this song. It literally changed everything. Everything. It changed the way people dressed, what they listened to, the type of music you heard on MTV, the type of music you heard on the radio, the type of music that you could go to the store and buy. I mean, uh, everything. I think that this was the third album I bought with my own money. I actually uh, taught myself how to play this. Yeah, you did. You did, and you can play this. You, you, can, you can play the bass line to it very well. And uh, I have to say, when I heard that bass line coming from your room right after you, I think this was one of the first songs you learned to play on the bass, Yeah, it's wasn't very it? easy. Well, now, don't, don't sell yourself short because you've gotten very good on the bass very fast, and it's 100% self-taught. But I will say this. I think that now, now I, I may be a little bit off here because I was what, like 11 or 12. The first CD I ever bought with my own money was Jimmy Buffett's Greatest <laughs> <laughs> The second one I ever bought with my own money, I know for a fact, was Pearl Jam's 10. But I'm pretty sure that Nevermind was the third CD I ever bought with my own money. And back then, the CDs costed like 20 bucks, which would be like $35 nowadays. And for somebody 11 or 12 year old, that was a lot. I think Nevermind was one of my first records I bought. It was the first vinyl that you ever bought. Yeah. And you and you've got an actual variant of it that was only sold at Target. It's in silver instead of black vinyl. It's worth quite a lot, but you ain't gonna sell it, are you? Nope. <laughs> I didn't think you would. Do you have anything you want to add about Smells Like Teen Spirit until before we get to our number ones? It probably should have made my list, but it's not one of my personal favorites. I'll say this: the I got to mention two things when talking about this song. The first one is the genius. Weird Al video and parody of this song called Smells Like Nirvana, <laughs> where he alludes to how mumbled the lyric delivery is from Cobain in this song when he's literally got marbles falling out of his mouth during the video. <laughs> but, you know, we mentioned earlier that Cobain a lot of times just kind of mumbled through his words and songs. And so much so in this, did you know that for the first few months when this video was played on MTV, they added subtitles to it? <laughs> I did not know that. Well, now you do. So here is my number two favorite Nirvana song of all time, and that is my our German Shepherd walking in the background. Forgive us. <laughs> the pro, the most important song of the last forty years, one that Bertha must like because she's coming on the scene. Here is Nirvana with "Smells Like Teen Spirit." <laughs> Yeah. 
All right, we spilled the beans a little while ago on what my number one song is, and we'll get to that just in a second. But before we do, and before you get to your number one, thank you so much for uh, coming on, and you have crushed it on this episode, Nat. You will definitely be on again down the road, an episode of your choice in the fall or late summer. All that being said, what's your favorite Nirvana song of all time and why? Molly's Lips. (laughs) So you picked a cover. And this is one that not a single person named as no. number one, but so there's probably going to be some controversy about this. But that's I'm, I'm all prepared right. For it. All right, that's all right. Bring it on. It won't be the first time somebody got mad at somebody on this show. Um, this song was actually written by the band, the band, the Vaselines, about Molly Weir, the actress. Yep, and uh, covered by Nirvana. What? Why is this your number one song? And I, I like this song. It almost made my list, but didn't quite make it because, like I said a while ago, I. Couldn't bring myself to have more than one cover on here. I don't know. It's just like, no, I want. I don't want to say upbeat, but it is though. Yeah, like he's just. You can very clearly hear what he's saying, and, and it's it's like a two minute song, and it's like probably unlike anything else in their entire catalog. To be honest with you, it, it's very upbeat and happy. And the the crazy thing is, is uh, me and you. And I'll get to mine in a minute. My number one, we, we mentioned it's all apologies, but I've got actually some quotes from Cobain on it that that's kind of going to end the show on an upbeat, happy note from my song and your song. And that's not something that's all the time identified with Cobain and, our, and, and Nirvana as a whole. But I, but I like it. So you have anything you want to add about Molly's lips? No. Nope. <laughs> you want to go ahead and play it? Yep. All right, introduce it. We'll spin it. This is my number one, Molly's lips. My number one's all apologies. You had it at number seven. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah, and we've not talked about it. We're going to talk about it and close the show out with it today. Now, this is easily the, mo- the Nirvana song that I've listened to the most, be it the original version that's on In Utero or the Unplugged version, which is amazing. It may be one of the best live performances of all time of any song. Uh, but for this purposes, I'll do the original studio version that's on In Utero. Uh, it's a song that i return to often that i've returned to for the last you know almost 30 years uh i think it's the most brilliant song that he ever wrote uh i think that if you rank the 10 best songs in the 90s it's in the top five or six in my opinion which i may or may not do on this show one day that's a tall task 
what do you, it was on your list and you didn't get a chance to talk about it before I get in depth to it. I'll let you briefly mention your thoughts on all apologies. I really like how it kind of starts out kind of slower and like mellow. And then in the chorus, it just spades up and gets louder. Yes. Soft, loud, soft, loud. So I briefly mentioned that we was going to leave the song, uh, this show on kind of a happy note and don't take my word for it. Cause I've got a, uh, in an interview, Cobain said that this was the most happy song he ever wrote and that the song always gave him happy and comfort and, and peace when he played it live. And he very, very rarely talked like that. <laughs> he had, was a person that had a lot of issues. And I'll have to say that this song always makes me happy when I hear it, whether it be the studio or the live version of it. And it's one that I love dearly and hold close to my heart and a song that was relevant then as far as the lyrics go and is as relevant, if not more so today, with everything that's going on out there. Uh, but we won't get into all that because I just don't want to hear anybody yap. Uh, Natalie, thank you once again for coming on. Have you enjoyed yourself today? Yes, I have. Remember, folks, let us know if she should earn if she earned her five bucks, and if she did, we'll give it to her. But all that being said, here is, in my opinion, the best Nirvana song of all time, taking us home and singing us out. Until next week. This has been That One Show with Brian Combs and my guest, Natalie. And here is Nirvana with all apologies. That one show is brought to you by The Goblin Trading Company and is written, recorded, and produced by me, Brian Combs, most of the time right on my kitchen table. If you enjoy this show, I ask that you please share it with others that you think may like it as well. And in the meantime, check out that one show on social media, either on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or all of the above. Thanks for listening. And until next week, spin that black circle. <laughs>